Good morning, friends, and welcome to worship here at Grace Church. It is my joy and honor, as ever, to have this opportunity to praise and worship the Lord uh, together with y'all. I invite you to wander your way to your seats um, and bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. Give you thanks for this chance we have to come into your house, to come into your presence, uh, to know you more. God, guide us as we go into this service that this may be a place where we see you clearly, where we know you more, where we know your grace, where we hear your word are transformed by it. God, make wherever we are, whether we are here in person, whether we're joining in online, however that is happening, God, be with us. Make this a holy time. Make this ground holy ground that we may wholly give ourselves over to this encounter with you. God, may this truly be your worship this morning. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Gracious living God. We give you thanks. We give you thanks that we are indeed your beloved children. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, that you are indeed our heavenly Father. And God, on this Father's Day, we give you thanks also for our earthly fathers, for all the ways in which they are a gift from you, for the ways that they shaped us, the ways they formed us, the ways they continue to guide us, whether they are in this life or in the next. God, we give you thanks for fathers. And God, also on this Father's Day, we pray for fathers. For fathers who are strong, we pray that they continue in their strength. For God, But God, for fathers who are struggling, we pray for strength, for power, for your grace to be with them. For healthy relationships with the Father, we give you thanks for the power of those relationships. For relationships where there is struggle, God, we pray for healing and for peace. God, we pray your blessing upon each and every father that has touched our lives, whether they are our biological father or a father that found us along the way. God, we pray for them. We are thankful for them. We pray your blessing upon them. And God, we know that you are our heavenly father. And no matter what, we always have a father, a father that is you, that is perfect in love and grace and strength and power. And so, loving God, our perfect Father, we come to you also with the prayer requests that are deep on our hearts. We lift up Kathy Nicholson um, and her family um, at the loss of her sister um, who passed away early this morning. God, we pray for healing and for comfort and for peace for that whole family and for our dear sister Kathy. We lift up the Hilton family who is in deep need of prayer. We lift up Tia Johnson who is recovering uh, from surgery. She had her appendix removed because of appendicitis. God, we give you thanks that that went well, but God, we just pray for her ongoing healing and that your comfort and healing may be with her. We lift up Jasmine, who is praying for uh, financial stability for her family. God, we pray for you to move in that situation, to open up doors um, that need to be opened, that she too may have her family, may have what they need. Uh, we lift up Susan Herb, uh, prayers for her family to stay healthy and for all families to stay healthy. Uh, we lift up uh, Thomas, uh, who is asking for prayers for a safe move. 
Uh, we lift up Angela and Rhonda and Eric and James Willoughby and Carla for healing from cancer. Uh, we lift up the Rickerson family. Uh, we lift up uh, Pastor Jimmy and his family as they are also moving this week. Uh, if I'm moving this week, then they too move this week. Uh, and so God, we pray for Grace Church in this time of transition. May we see your mighty hand in our lives and also see your mighty hand in the life of our church. And God, no matter what season we find ourselves in, may we know the power of your love within us, the second chance love that you have given us, that we may carry that love out into the world as your people, as your hands and your feet. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. And now I want to throw uh, to Pastor Emily um, uh, for some VBS-related stuff. I would like to go ahead and invite the kids to come forward. Um, they're going to get to share with you in just a minute a very special On? Not on? Yes. Okay. There we go. They're going to get to share with you a very special song from VBS. But while they're making their way up... I wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much to all of our volunteers and all of our families who helped decorate and make snacks and crafts and run videos and sing songs and come up with Bible memory verses. And Sister Brandy and her team who worked outside uh, doing recreation. <laughs> Stop just crying real quick. Hi, baby. Okay. Yes, that's better. Um, but these guys did amazing. We had so many kids. We had so many families from the community. Um, something that you may have noticed on your way in this morning is we have a giving tiki right out front in our entryway. If you would like to throw some coins in there to add them to our children's coins, uh, that is a special offering that they had all week long. Those coins are going to a Native American reservation here in the United States um, to buy school supplies. And so we're very happy and very excited to get to be a part of that and to get to teach them how to give. Um, if you would like to toss your coins in there as well, we will add it to that this week. And uh, with that, are you guys ready to sing and show them the memory verse you learned? All right, let's stand up and let's sing our very special song today. Our Yeah. 
Oddball one for Father's Day, and I promise it's going somewhere, <clears throat> um, is Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 17. To the angel at church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and he walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. I also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you first have, had. Excuse me, that you had at first. I can read. Remember then... From what you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, this is also to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears listen to what the Spirit is saying to churches. To everyone who conquers, I give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write... Right, these are the words of the first and the last, who has died and came to life. I know your affliction and your poverty, even though you are rich. I know that I know the slander on the part of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have affliction. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. Angel in the church of Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know that where you are living, you are living where Satan's throne is. Yet you were holding fast to my name, and you did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have, you have some of those who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the people of Israel so they would eat food sacrificed to idols and practice fornication. So also you have... Uh, some who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent then. If not, I will come to you soon and make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has an ear to listen what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give a white stone, and on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. We are continuing Summer of Rock, Volume 4, The Farewell Tour, and we've come up on a song that also has a lyric that is weird to include in Father's Day. It is Times They Are Changing by Bob Dylan. And the lyric I am speaking of is, Come fathers and mothers throughout the land, don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and daughters are beyond your command, your old road is rapidly aging. Yes, 
This does seem like a weird pick for Father's Day, and yet it is exactly why I chose uh, this song. You see, uh, me including this song in my last chance to set a sermon series um, is because of a 20-year-long conversation between my father and I, specifically about Bob Dylan. You see, my father and my uncle are extremely into Bob Dylan. They're always talking to each other, even many, many years, decades down the road, always talking to one another about Bob Dylan songs and Bob Dylan lyrics and new recordings of Bob Dylan and what songs are best and what do they mean. And you need to have those that decades-long conversations to pour over what they mean because only literally only God knows. He's a massive fan of Bob Dylan. And I, I am not a massive fan of Bob Dylan. I am quite the opposite. I cannot stand Bob Dylan. I think he has a horrendous singing voice. I think his sense of rhythm is borderline intolerable and that his lyrics, especially his later one, are more than borderline incomprehensible. Did he win a Nobel Prize for Literature in 2016? Yes, he did. Is it because the Nobel Prize Committee could not figure out what he was saying either and was not willing to admit it? That's my suspicion. My father has been trying to get me to appreciate the works of Bob Dylan now for 20 years. And so once, when I was a teenager and I had been making fun of Bob Dylan for many years, um, his, my uncle and him planned a whole idea to get me to learn to appreciate Bob Dylan. We were gathered around a campfire as a family, um, and they had printed out, I don't know, looked like a phone book sized stack of lyrics of Bob Dylan, and my, I was tasked with reading them aloud to the family around this fire, uh, which I dutifully did. I would pick up each sheet, I would read the incomprehensible lyrics contained within it, and then I realized something very important. I had a couple tools available to me. I had lyric sheets made of paper, and I had a campfire right in front of me. And so, yes, indeed, I honored my father. I followed the instructions to a T. I read the lyrics aloud to the family. And then I laid each sheet one at a time into the fire after I finished them. I don't think it worked. So this is my father's Father's Day present. is that I have included Bob Dylan in Summer of Rock, Volume 4, The Farewell Tour. And I have included the one song from Bob Dylan that I can more than tolerate. It is Times They Are A-Changing. It is this very historically important and interesting testimony to the optimism of the early 60s. This song was released in 1965, but was recorded in 1963 and probably started to be written in like late 1962, early 1963, sometime around there when Bob Dylan is 21 or 22. He's a very young man. And the hard part of the 60s had not yet started happening. JFK had not yet been assassinated when he wrote this song. LBJ had not escalated the war in Vietnam when he wrote this song. So there weren't student protests. 
there wasn't this deep nation-splitting conflict over that war. And then, of course, 1968 was not yet even a twinkle in anyone's eye, and so RFK was still alive, and MLK was still alive, um, and marching for freedom, all of those the, the dark side of the 1960s had not yet happened when Bob Dylan sits down and puts pen to paper, joyously declaring that times they are changing. And you can hear his inherent optimism that, yes, things are changing, that he is a part of that change. And that change, the change is coming, is going to be fantastic for the world. Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept that it's soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a-changing. It is a statement of the optimism of the early hippie movement as the boomers go from being, you know, teenagers to adults, become this massive force in American life. They have this opportunity to seize something different. They can see as they are becoming the people with power, the times they are changing, and they at least walk into that moment with an inherent optimism that this change will be a transformation for the good. It is, in some ways, a song. He was not yet truly a religious man. He, he finds faith later in life. But it is someone who has seen an image of something that looks to him like the kingdom of God. Um, in the last verse of the song, the line it is drawn, the curse it is cast. The slow one now will later be fast. And this present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading. And the first one now will later be last the times, they are a-changing. That that world, just a few years later, actually it was first recorded on, in October of 1963, and JFK was shot in November of 1963, so shortly after this song comes into true being, he actually played it publicly on the day JFK was assassinated, right? That that world became grittier and far harder doesn't also make doesn't negate what Bob Dylan sees, that the world is headed somewhere good. Now, he wouldn't have the language for it, that where it's headed, it's the kingdom of God and the descent of the new Jerusalem and all being set right. That's for us as Christians and for me as a theologian to inject into your mind that, yes, times they are a-changing and where they are going is the kingdom of God. But it is also a reminder that it doesn't always feel like that's where things are going. Sometimes you look around at the change and you go, times they are a-changing and gas is $4.70 a gallon. Yes, times they are a-changing and you cannot buy feminine hygiene products at the store, apparently, because there are rolling shortages. Sometimes you look at times they are a-changing and there's a land war in Europe now, right? We can often look around and not feel, know that times are changing and not feel particularly positive about it. And that's why I pair times they are a-changing by Bob Dylan with Times They Are Changing by John the Apostle and his school on Patmos, better known as Revelations chapters 1 through 3. Because in Revelation, we're used to the part of Revelation where it's a whole bunch of creatures with eyeballs and arms and wings and things that look like instinct 
insects and whatever. But there's this whole other part of Revelation that is John being instructed by God to give messages to churches who are going through an extremely hard time. Because by Revelation chapter 2, the early church is going through some extremely hard times. Early on in the Christian movement, that's your Acts of the Apostles, your Letters of Paul, the Roman government as, as a whole had not yet really realized what we were about and didn't really take note of this. Yes, they end up putting Paul to death, and yes, there's a little bit of persecution here and there, but they hadn't really got fully invested in the whole persecution thing. It was most of the resistance came from the local synagogues, came from the Jewish temple, came from unhappy local officials, but it was not like a government-wide thing. By Revelation chapter 2, however, the Roman government had really spun up the persecution machine and had it in for both Christians and Jews for running counter to the one thing the Roman Empire really wanted you to do. There were a lot of religions within the Roman Empire, and they worshipped a whole panoply of gods. But everyone had to do one thing, and that was bow down to the emperor too. You could, you could worship Osiris, or you could worship Apollo, or you could worship Saturn, or you could worship Jupiter. But if you bowed down to the emperor, you could be a good Roman. Well, here's the thing that no Christian or Jew is ever going to do, right? We're not going to bow down to the emperor. We're not going to look at this Roman guy in a weird purple toga and a strange headdress and go, yeah, that's a god, because there is only one true god. And so by about 70 AD, uh, Revelation's written a little after that, they've really spun up the persecution machine to kill Christians and Jews. And that's who John of Patmos writes the book of Revelation to, receives the revelation from God, and writes it to these churches that have known friends and family, Antipas mentioned um, in the letter to Smyrna, right? Knows friends and family members that have been killed by the Romans merely for the sake of being Christians. And so they look around and go, yeah, times they are a-changing, and they feel like they've gotten worse. What are we supposed to do now? And that's where John's advice becomes, or God's advice written through John as prophet, <clears throat> excuse me, becomes very interesting. Because with the structure of each of these very brief letters, and there are actually seven of them, um, but for the sake of bre you know, brevity, I only included three, they all have the same structure. Y'all are doing this thing well. Y'all are doing that God wins in the end. And if, the, if you hold on, you're a part of that victory. But here in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we find out how do we hold on. You say, great advice, hold on, how do I do that? You hear from God the things you are doing well. You accept from God the places where you are not yet as you should be. And you put the work into that relationship to grow closer to God and to round off those rough edges that God has identified in your spirit. I know this does not sound, you know, this, this does not sound profound enough, and yet it is the life of faith and something truly profound. That how we get through change that we do not feel, get through a world that feels like it's set against us, is grow our relationship with God. By knowing what we get right, 
by accepting that there are things we do not get right, allowing God to work in us and putting in the work ourselves to round off those edges that we don't get right, and so that when God does indeed come in final victory, we feast at that heavenly banquet. That's the whole process. This Christian life is far simpler than we make it sometimes. It is find Christ and it is stick with Christ. And how do you stick with Christ? You hear from God what you've done all right. You hear from God and accept that challenge that there are places in your life that are not yet of God. And you work with God to smooth out the rough edges and then you participate in the final victory of Christ. That's the whole thing. That's the life of faith. It's find God and stay connected to God. And stay connected to God means hearing from God and letting God challenge you to become better. Because the other part of Revelation is that if you stick in that process of finding God and staying connected to God, that the times they are are changing. And the final change is going to be something beautiful. Each of these letters, these small letters to the churches, end with this image of us receiving that final reward. In verse 7, in writing to the church in Ephesus, John says, Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in paradise. Jumping down to verse 11, now to the message of the church in Smyrna. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. Jumping down to verse 17, this is now the letter to Pergamum. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give a white stone, and on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Times, they are indeed a changing. Our world is constantly shifting and roiling. But also, God is present in our world. And so the things are changing both in the micro, our day-to-day lives, you know. Day-to-day life is hard, economies get good or get bad. But also God is moving in the grand scale of history, moving us inexorably to the descent of the new Jerusalem, to us receiving the manna from God, to us finding our names in, uh, in the book of life and participating in what that means. And so, yes, sometimes the change will look good and sometimes the change will look bad. And that's just the nature of human life and that's the nature of life in Revelation. The Bible did not prepare, it was not meant to prepare us for easy sailing the whole way. The Bible was given to us as a testimony of all the other times God's people got through hard times by partnering with God and to remind us to hold on through the hard times, not that hard times will never happen. I want you to think about any biblical character who has a consistently easy time throughout their entire story in the Bible. Run down, you know, you, you know, I have to spend far too much, far more time with the Bible than I ever thought I would as a teenager throwing Bob Dylan songs into the fire. I never thought this would be my life. I never thought I'd spend as much time with scripture as I have. 
Think of one. Raise, if anyone can think of it. This is, this is an audience participation section. If anyone can think of a biblical character that had an easy smooth sailing the entire, their entire time, raise your hand and gladly tell me. That's because they're not there. This is a bad quiz. There isn't one. The question isn't, will times change? Yes, they will. And sometimes that change is going to feel great. And sometimes that change is going to feel terrible. Both are true. The key in all of it is turn to God. Is see God in all of it. Is stay connected to God. Is keep a piece of that optimism found in Bob Dylan's times they are a-changing. Because in the end of history, times they are a-changing and God wins. That that beautiful image of, of the bad stuff being swept away and us living in a new age, a pretty powerful image, and one the book of Revelation also agrees with. Maybe not in particulars, but more or less. Connect yourself to God. Recognize how God is moving in your life and hear the good stuff. God loves you. God put good things in you. God sees the good that is in you. God also sees the not so good, the rough patches, the things that need to be rounded off. And God says, here I am to help you. Will you work with me? Holding on to God is saying, yes, God, work in me and I will work in you. So in that final time, that times that change, I will be there with you forever. Times they are changing. It will feel good. It will feel bad. God wins in the end. Stay connected to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery which you've given yourself to us. Grant that we may be empowered by this encounter with you to see the optimism in the times they are changing each day moves closer to your final victory. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. And now, as advertised, um, it's a song written in around 1963, first released publicly um, in 1965 uh, by Bob Dylan. Um, it is Times They Are A-Changing. Gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown Accept that and soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming, you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Writers and critics to apply with your pens And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again Don't speak too soon, for the wheels still in spin There's no telling who it is naming The losers are now, will later to win For the times they are a change Senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. For he who gets hurt will be he who has stalled. 
There's a battle outside that's raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. Cause the times, they are a-changing. Come mothers and fathers throughout the land. Don't criticize what you don't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your road is rapidly changing. Please get out of the new one if you can lend a hand. For the time they are a-changing. Line it is drawn, the curse it is cast. The slow one now will later be fast. The present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last. For the times they are changing. For the times. You're able to grab the hands of people around you, form one united body in Christ, for in God's spirit that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Times there are changing, but God is in it all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.